Father, we come before you this morning and we pray that you would help us to and teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We need your grace. Every moment of every hour of every day in these moments and in all moments, we can do nothing apart from you. And so we come asking for your help, Lord, today and into this next year and beyond. And so we look to you, Lord. May you help us have hearts that are yours. May you help our lives be offerings for your kingdom and for your glory. And may we, in view of these things, come before you this morning as we come to your word, coming ready to hear all that you have for us and to even come as offerings that you would use us in any way you please for the sake of your glory. And so we ask for your hand in our lives that we may go and share the gospel with those around us and be a light in the midst of much darkness. And so, Father, give us grace. Help me, Father, to proclaim your word clearly as they ought by your spirit for your namesake. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have come, as you well know, to the end of another year. Only a few more days and 2019 will be over. You know, even as we just celebrated the first coming of Christ with Christmas, another page will be turned, drawing us nearer to His second coming, which we likewise, even as we had an angst about us, at least, you know, a longing for Christmas to come, now our longing really has not ended. We now long for His second coming, just like they longed for His first coming. We want Him to return. So as the curtain closes on 2019, we have before us the mystery of another year. We don't know what lies ahead, whether it be sun-filled days or storm-filled nights. But may we go resolutely centered upon Jesus Christ. So how fitting it is that we come to the closing of 2019 with the closing of this wonderfully Christ-exalting letter to the Colossians. So we close being called to take heart to the heart of Colossians. So that heart, if you remember, as we've walked through Colossians over these last months now, was that we would look to, hope in, cling to, and found all of life upon Christ who is Lord and God over all. And have we not seen that? And that has been seen and even called for in every area of life. So we've seen this again and again in this letter. So let us exalt Christ, who will one day wrap up the scroll of this age and open up the scroll of the age to come. And that is certainly our call 
for 2020 and beyond. So with these last verses in Colossians, appropriately here we are called to consider those who walk according to Christ to further spur us on to all that we have seen in this letter. So in many ways, these verses we're going to read are an application of everything we've seen. So with the Christ-centered life set before us, let us open our Bibles then to Colossians chapter 4. And the final verses here, verses 7 through 18. So may God bless His Word and cause our hearts to burn for Him. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. You may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And with this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. So name... After name, we hear and we have heard listed here. And there are quite a a few people listed here in these verses. But they are listed as people whose aim and whose attitudes are truly and wholly different from the aims and the attitudes of the world. So, of course, you know, right now, all around us and... uh, in the United States, people are you know, getting their resolutions ready for the new year. You know, resolutions, of course, they you know, are not bad. There are many godly men and women, uh, past and present, who have you know, had and made resolutions uh, for the sake of the kingdom. I can think of one man in particular, Jonathan Edwards, who made 40, I believe, resolutions uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Beginning them, essentially saying, I make these resolutions based on the grace of God, that by the grace of God I would do them. So you can do resolutions in a Godward, Christ-centered way. So 
It's not, we're not saying that resolutions are bad and we need to uh, do away with them. But their godly resolutions were different from the resolutions we see you know, in the world. Uh, a recent article in Forbes, even, uh, gives 10 tips to leap into 2020 with success and happiness. Now, you know, I'm not against success and happiness, and I'm, I'd probably guarantee that you are not either. <laughs> um, so the gospel, it does not come to give you 10 tips for crashing into 2020 with failure and despair, right? That's not, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying, well, if that's what you're giving, well, we're giving a gospel where it's totally the opposite. Well, no, we're, we're not saying that either. Instead, the gospel, it sets forth the greatest victory and the highest joy, even if you don't succeed or your life is filled with great trials. Even when you have every reason not to be sorrowful yet rejoicing, you are sorrowful yet rejoicing. So, the focus we have is upon Christ, whether in, in abundance or in need, which is quite different from what we see in this article. So let me tell you a couple of the ten points that he gives, you, gives us here. Um, I think you'll notice a common thread here as well. One, the first one, amp up self-care. Two, indulge yourself. Three, chill your fault finder. So those people who are putting you down or bringing you down, they need to chill out. Give yourself regular doses of self-compassion. Hey, you need compassion? Give yourself some. Send self-doubt packing. You know, any reason you have for doubt, just you need to get, get rid of that. You know, you, you never need to doubt yourself ever. Believe in yourself. And be a goodwill hunter. Now, that last one, it almost seems to go a bit of a different direction than his theme that he gives in all those ten. Uh, but alas, his theme, it actually persists. So he writes... It might sound odd, but helping others, so this is the be a goodwill hunter. It might sound odd, but helping others has a boomerang effect, commonly known as the helper's high. Dispensing good will, will, or, will, or goodwill can boost your mood, help you chill, and reach success. So even there, we see what? A very specific focus on You, on self, exactly right. Well, friends, more of self is not the answer for you in 2020. Our problem is not loving ourselves enough. It's loving ourselves too much. Why else would Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself? Because you love yourself quite a bit. Instead, Colossians, it calls us to exalt Christ. To set our lives in trajectory upon Christ. To put to death what is earthly in you. 
and to put on Christ. So not models of self is what we see in Colossians, but models of Christ. And that's what we find then with these final verses of Colossians. We find models of our Lord. So first we see here faithful ministers. Faithful ministers. So Paul, he describes Tychicus here as a beloved brother and faithful minister. So there there is no doubt that Paul, he relied on Tychicus as a faithful brother and servant of Christ. So along with the letter to the Colossians, Paul, he entrusted to Tychicus the Ephesian letter as well and mentions him in Ephesians, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Likewise, Onesimus, even though he was a new believer, Paul says he is a faithful and beloved brother. Onesimus was an unbelieving slave who had escaped his master, Philemon, in Colossae. But upon meeting Paul in prison, he met Christ, and he returned to his master, and he's even here likely returning to his master no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother. So both of these men, they were faithful ministers. They were trustworthy. They were loyal. They were dependable men entrusted with taking no small task here, God's inspired letter to the Colossians and even to Laodicea as well. So why would Paul entrust to them such a weighty task? Well, it wasn't because their eyes were set upon themselves. No, they knew Jesus and flowing from their faith in Christ They wanted to serve Christ. Their eyes were upon taking up the cross and following Jesus. And so, as they aim themselves at faithfulness to Christ, so may we aim at faithfulness to Christ. Aim at a faithfulness that tastes of Christ. So, wherever you are, And whatever task you are given, may your eyes be upon your Lord. Fulfill the task you've been given. Be godly stewards. Saints, serve your masters with excellence by the power of God and the Spirit of God that dwells within you. So we are being called to aim ourselves in 2020 to faithfulness. And not just faithfulness in general, but faithfulness to our Lord, that we may serve Him by His power with all excellence for His glory. Second, we see here servants of Christ. So this was said of Tychicus as well. He was a fellow servant in the Lord with Paul. So also with Epaphras, he's called a servant of Christ Jesus. So Epaphras, wow, he he was an incredible servant of Christ. In chapter 1, if you remember back then, 
You know, we're told in chapter 1, 7 that Epaphras helped found the Colossian church. That means he was the one bringing the gospel to them, sharing Christ to them. And so he was a dear brother to them, I am sure. So both of these men, they were faithful servants of Christ. So rather than making 2020 the year of serving the self, may we aim instead at serving Christ. The word here for servant is slave. So may we aim at showing the world the joy of being a slave of Christ. It is a joy. Whether in harvest or in famine, may we lift up the name of Christ as He is our Master. And we are His children. Let the world wander at us, wonder at us, and say, these people are not like us. They seem to have a greater affection, a greater joy, a greater love than anything that this world is offering me. So may we take heed here also to whether... A rather subtle warning found in the text as well. You know, among the men listed here, you may have noticed it. Verse 14, along with Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, we see this name, Demas. So he is mentioned two other times in Paul's letters. And the last time, near the end of Paul's life, we find out essentially that Demas fell away from the Lord. Why? Well, Paul, he tells us, 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In 2020, slaves of Christ, don't let your eyes veer from the Master. Freely and gladly serve Him. Go further and ask, how can you serve Him in 2020? What needs are there around you? How can you help those who are in need? In what ways can you better serve Christ? In what ways can you better serve your spouse? In what ways can you better serve your children, your neighbors, your co-workers? Because we are servants. Whether, no matter who you are, you are a slave, a servant of Christ Jesus. So there really is no No thing that would be too low for us to be willing to do. Is there something that perhaps you know you need to do, but you haven't been doing it? The question is not, what is there to do? But instead, 
what will or who will do it. There is much to be done. There is much to be done in this city. Who will do it? I may not see something you see. So servants of Christ, may we serve. May we look for opportunities to serve others. Third, we see here workers for the kingdom of God. Paul says, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice were the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. So, these were men whose arms were bound, they were joined together as workers for the kingdom. So, Jew and Gentile converts alike were serving Christ for the sake of the kingdom of God together. So, Haven, as we move into 2020, may we join arms and aim at advancing the kingdom together. This is a task that is unfinished. It is unfinished here, is unfinished in our state, it is unfinished in our nation, it is unfinished in the nations. There is much work to be done. So all of us here, we come from different backgrounds, have different personalities, and have various vocations, but we have a common mission and a common gospel that we are commonly called to share with the lost around us. So in 2020, let me ask you, who is one person, one person you can seek to reach for Christ? A friend, a neighbor, a colleague, family member? This year, how can you intentionally, purposefully begin seeking to reach someone for Christ? Just one. If every one of us did that here, how the Lord would work. Fourth, we see labors in prayer. Labors in prayer. So Epaphras, so out of love for the saints, what did he do? He, he labored in prayer. For he arduously exerted himself in prayer. You know, I'm not... I'm sure you have, but I'm not, you know, you may have not. Um, But if you've ever seen ants work, they are laborers, right? I remember one time working outside and saw a long line of ants, you know, doing their work, gathering their food. Um, And, you know, I was outside quite a bit of time and I had to go back in to do something. And I was gone for a long time. I was gone like two, three hours or so. And when I went back outside again, what do you think I found? They were still there. They were still there. They were still laboring. They were still in line, working diligently. As though nothing had happened. As though I hadn't even left. So may we aim ourselves in prayer. May we aim ourselves at godly discipline. It says, Epaphras struggled in prayer on their behalf. 
Like the ants, he persistently labored. That was Epaphras. That was what defined him. He exerted himself to the full because he longed to see the Colossians flourish in Christ, to see them stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. How many of us are laboring like that? Laboring in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are deeply in need of God's grace to live out this Christian life and to share Christ among the nations. So also may we be intentional in laboring and practicing the godly disciplines. It is a labor. I mean, you, you look back, Martin, I don't know if this is Martin Luther, I'm probably misquoting this one, but we'll just say Martin Luther, and you look it up later. He said, I have such a, a busy day ahead of me, I can't, I can't spend any less than three hours in prayer today. That, that's the kind of labor. Not that you are failing if you're not spending three hours in prayer, but, you know, I don't spend three hours in prayer. But just to say, you know, that's the kind of mind, a heart, a longing to be with the Lord, to commune with Christ, to pray and seek His face. Busyness does not keep me away from the Lord. It drives me to the Lord. And that's exactly what we're, how we're lied to today, Right? Busyness is an obstacle to the spiritual disciplines instead of it is something that should recall us to the spiritual disciplines. We need God more, not less. It shows us I can't do all these things on my own. I can't handle all these things by myself. So with the new year, may we embrace the two spiritual disciplines of prayer in the Word. Epaphras prayed that they would be fully assured in all the will of God. Well, how will they, how do you know the will of God? Well, you know the will of God through the Word of God. So as God has given us two eyes, He has given us prayer in the Word. As He has given us two hands, He has given us prayer in the Word. As He has given us two feet, He has given us prayer in the Word. In the Word, and any of them are missing, you're not functioning aright anymore. You can do just fine with one eye, can't you? Well, you're not functioning quite the way you intended to. One hand, no hands, no feet. We are to take up both prayer and and the Word. Both are to be there and how we stumble and we fumble about without them. So how will you, by the grace of God, this is not a call to legalism. The spiritual disciplines are not a call for you to work your way to the Lord. But out of faith and in Christ already, you long to know Him more and to commune with Him and so you take up the two prayer and the Word and spend time with Him. So will you read the Word and pray? Will you labor in prayer and the Word out of love and joy in the Savior for the good of your own soul?
and others. Fifth, we see a community of faith. A community of faith. So in all these men and women, we see the body of Christ inseparably connected to one another. In other words, you cannot imagine this, what we just read, apart from the church. You cannot imagine any of these people, nor their Christ-centered aims, devoid of the local church. They were part of a community of faith. They were lovingly united together for the sake of the gospel. And sadly, I mean, I've seen this very sadly, upfront and personal. One quality that you find missing in declining churches is community. Lack of hospitality. An inward turn to the self. Self is at the center. But what you find in those churches that are flourishing and God is doing a work, the Spirit of God is at work, you'll find that community is gladly held high. It is seen, it is felt, it is experienced. Togetherness is everywhere. Hospitality is welcomed. Come into our home. We're not perfect but neither are you, and we come together as imperfect people saying, let's do life together because we can't do it apart. And that is the work of the Spirit of God. And I want that. We see another implication here also in respect to this phrase, community of faith. So Tychicus and Onesimus, they encouraged Paul and also encouraged other local identifiable churches. Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, they were workers for the kingdom of God and they comforted Paul. But who are those who are part of the kingdom of God? The saints. Epaphras labored in, labored in prayer for particular identifiable people. Nymphus, or Nympha, was able to serve by opening her house as a meeting place for local identifiable, a local identifiable church. Paul, he gave greetings to, and he asked local identifiable churches to remember his chains. So why do I keep saying that again and again, emphasizing local identifiable Churches, membership. Churches, they were not buildings, they were people. How could you recognize the people? The people. (laughs) Because they had professed faith in Christ and they were part of a community of faith. And when you say part of, identifiable people, accountable to, You're talking about membership. So aim at being part of a community of faith. God has called people to be committed to His body. To be encouraged by His body. 
to be ministered to and to be ministering within it, to be accountable to it as well. Because you and I both know that we're all a big mess, right? We need others around us when we fall down to help us up, but also when we fall down and we want to stay down and stay in our sin, we have someone come alongside us and say, brother, sister, come on, this is not good for you. Come back to the body. And membership is just that. Saying, I am coming under this body and I am saying I will be accountable to it because I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you. So consider how you can be part of the body of Christ. How are you fulfilling the biblical expectation of membership. It's not found as a command, but it is found as an expectation. Not directly commanded, but indirectly expected. So with the new year, it is my hope that we may look to, hope in, cling to, and found all of our lives upon Christ, aiming ourselves at Him. So if you're here, though, and you do not know Christ, my hope is that you may. He lived the life that you could not live and came to save those who were unworthy to be saved. And that is you, that is me. And this morning, consider, do you know Christ? Have you been made right with God through Him? All of these qualities direct you to the one for whom you were made. You may know Him, the one for whom you were made today, if you turn from sin and self and trust in the Savior. Amen. So in 2020, may we aim ourselves aright, not at self, but at Christ. That faithfulness to Christ, being servants of Christ, working at advancing the kingdom of Christ and laboring in the godly disciplines and involving ourselves being part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this whole letter. What a letter it is. many ways that you have already just, I know, used it in my own life. And I would expect that you used it in the lives of those here as well. Because it is your word. Not because of me. Because of you. And I pray, Father, we pray that your spirit would continue to use it. And help us as we have seen all these faithful followers of Christ. May we aim ourselves in 2020 at all these things and following you with all our heart. Not perfectly. Not as those who are seeking to gain or earn favor with you, O God. But as those who have favor with you, O God, in Christ. And 
as those who are dependent on you in all things that we would seek to make 2020 about your glory as a church, as people, our families, our homes, workplaces. May you help us and give us grace. Even as Paul ends this letter, grace to you. Because this is not possible outside of grace. And Father, I pray that you would be with anyone here who does not know Christ, that you may even now help them, Father, to see their need. That they would put their faith in the one for whom they were made. We pray, Father, if there's anyone here who needs to uh, obey in the way of membership, that you help them to consider these things today. We pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord. So there are only a few more days left, but we don't know even what will happen in the next hour. May we this moment say we will serve you, we will follow you, and we will seek to live for you as long as you may give us life. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.